Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles tonight and go with me to Nehemiah chapter number six, the book of Nehemiah. In chapter number six this evening, stay standing just out of respect for the reading of God's word. We're going to read verse number 10 down to verse number 14. Nehemiah chapter six, look with me at verse 10 down to verse 14. That's where we're hanging out here this evening. And afterward, this is Nehemiah talking now. And afterward, I came to the house of Shemaniah, the son of Deliah the son of Mehatelbiel, that's a mouthful, right? Who was, notice this word, who was shut up. Now, does that mean he was being quiet? It means he had secluded himself. He had locked himself away. That's what that means. And you're going to see why. He presupposes this religious disposition. So he's secluded himself from everyone else to give this Um, air of being extra spiritual. That's what he's doing. Notice what he says in verse 10, about halfway through. And he says, he writes to Nehemiah and he says, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. So immediately there, something should be kind of sounding off in your mind. Who's allowed in the temple? You have to remember the temple is not the church. Who's allowed to go in the temple in Old Testament times? Only who? Only the priest. Is Nehemiah a priest? Yes or no? No. So Nehemiah is not allowed in the temple. It's very important. He says, come to the house of God. Let's let's go in, let's go within the temple. And let us shut the doors of the temple. for, For they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am? Notice his language. Who is there that being as I am? Because I'm not, I'm not a priest. I, I'm not allowed to go into the temple. So why should such a man as I, notice, Why should such a man as I go there, notice, would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him. Look at that. I perceived that God had not sent him. And do so, and uh, had not said, verse 12, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Symbalat had hired him. And therefore was he hired, that I should be afraid, and do so, notice, and sin. What, what would be sin? What would be the sin for Nehemiah? The sin for Nehemiah is that he would step down from the work that God had given him to do, that he would go into the temple where such a man as him someone who is not the priest, he would not be allowed to go. That they would, that I should sin, that they might have matter for an evil report that they might reproach me. Look at his prayer. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sambalat according 
to these their works. And upon the, the prophetess, Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets that would have put me in fear. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use your word in our lives. Father, shape us by your word, mold us according to your word. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. amen. You may be seated. We're talking about this opposition that has come up against Nehemiah. And we've said two things already in this study. We said that if we're going to continue in spite of opposition, then we need to recognize that there are distractions that come along the way. This is verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. That there are these distractions that arise that are always compelling us to go with them. Stop doing what God has called us, given us to do, and pay attention to them. And what we said is, Nehemiah is able to avoid the distraction. Why? Because Nehemiah reminded himself of the compelling purpose. He says, why should I come down to you? Why should I stop? Look at verse 3 of chapter 6. I'll remind you of this. He says, I cannot come down. The work should not cease because I am, notice, doing a great work. So one of the ways that we re reject the distractions that come along our paths is to remind ourselves of a compelling purpose. We, we remain committed to the purposes that God has given us to do. We talked about on this, we talked about the importance of commitment that it takes a commitment in our lives, a driving focus, a purpose in our lives. The best marriages are the marriages where, where the men and women of those marriages, the husband and wife, have remained committed to the purpose. The best parents, they're not perfect parents, but the best parents are parents who have remained committed to the purpose. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to come down. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to be distracted by these other things. And we said, man, if we want to avoid the distractions that come along our way, we need compelling purpose. What is the purpose that God has given you in this life? And are you fulfilling it? Are you walking in it? Second, man, we said Nehemiah, he avoided the defamation. He avoided the defamation by having clear perspective. This is where we spent time two weeks ago. Verse 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. That they came with this gossip, with this slander. And they came with this gossip and slander in order to put Nehemiah in fear. And you're going to remember this. Because a lot of times we talk about the word gossip. We talk about the word slander in church. But we set parameters biblically for what those are. So what is gossip? Well, it's not just talking about someone. You can, there's people who talk about someone. You're free to say anything kind about any other person. Simply talking about someone is not gossip. We said, biblically, gossip is talking about someone in order to destroy someone. It's destructive speech. Gossip, biblically speaking, is destructive speech. It's using your words in a way that tears down the person who is not there to be able to offer a defense for what you may be saying. So gossip is destructive speech. We said, second, slander is different than gossip. It has the same goal. The goal is to, to tear the person down. But slander is destructive, dishonest speech. 
So it's not the truth. It's manipulating the story. It's saying something in a destructive way that its whole intention is to tear down the individual and yet it is also dishonest. And so that's what's happening here. He makes up this huge story about Nehemiah. Notice what Nehemiah says to him. He says, verse 8, So I sent to him and I said, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. You came up with this on your own. And so what we said is oftentimes when we're facing opposition or when we're facing adversity, we need to remind ourselves the purpose that God has given to us. We need clear perspective for how we handle opposition, how we handle gossip or how we handle slander. And now we come here this evening to this situation where God helps us endure dangers. So this isn't this isn't a man who just has some things to say, just trying to keep the wall from, from uh, being accomplished. No, this is a man who wants to, for Nehemiah to go to him so that he might kill him. That's the first thing. That's what he says. Come save your life. No, no, you're trying to take my life. And then he says, second, not only do you want to take my life, but if you can't take my life, you want me to give you an occasion to talk against me. Notice, an evil report. He says, I'm not going to give you an opportunity to have an evil report against me. You want to understand this in biblical terms. This is Nehemiah walking circumspectly and not as a fool. This is Nehemiah paying close attention to the situation that is in front of him and walking carefully as he goes toward it. So I want to answer this question tonight. How, how, do we, how do we process this kind of stuff? When someone says to you or to me, hey, I've been given a word from God for you. I, I, I have some insider information. I, I came across a, a, a bit of news that I want to let you uh, in on. Come down and listen to me. How do we process information? You know, we live in a time where there is Information overload. I, I recently read that there are, catch this, 300 billion emails sent every day. 300 billion, I promise you, they all go to our church's Facebook and our, our church's email account, okay? Thank the Lord I don't have to wade through that. That's Derek's job. 300 billion emails sent every day day. That's a lot of information. I've, I, I, I've seen some of your computers and where the email little notification is, you've got that many waiting to be checked, okay? Forbes says that the newest business trend is no longer to send emails because emails aren't read by anyone. We all have this long list of emails. None of us ever check it. We just delete it. We unsubscribe to it. We don't look at it. Why? Because it's just information overload. So Forbes says the newest trends is that businesses are sending text messages in order to, in order to interact with their customers. They said text message is the preferred way of communication for this current moment. 60%, this is a really interesting article by, by Forbes, says 60% of, of, of consumers reply back to the text message within one to two minutes. 
And so now you have companies and their whole strategy now is just sending you text messages about whatever discounts they have. How many of you get those? Ooh, here's a coupon for you. Make sure you come down and make sure you use this, right? It's all of this text messages. Of these business text messages that are sent each day, 23 billion are sent every day. 300 billion emails, 23 billion text messages being sent. And not only that, but think about this. Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, says that there are roughly 100 billion messages sent back and forth every day, just between those two. Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. In iMessages, another 40 billion iMessages sent every day. Information overload, right? The average consumer reads 72 messages each and every day. Information overload. That's just messages. We haven't even talked about like social media apps. We haven't talked about, you know, your Facebook profile. Every 60 seconds, 510,000 comments are posted to Facebook. Every 60 seconds, 293,000 statuses are updated. Every 60 seconds, 4 million posts. We could keep going, right? You get the point? Information Overload. One author wrote it this way. He says, if you happen to read the New York Times newspaper for one week, you will be more exposed to information than the average person living in the 1800s came across in their entire lifetime. We are swamped with information. We, 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 we have information coming our way non-stop. Some of you, even right now, you're looking at your phone. You just got a text message. You've got one of those 72 messages to your phone right now. We are guilty of what Jesus says. We look without seeing. We listen without hearing. We speak without understanding. I want to be clear on this because the the Bible is very clear to point out. That there should be times where we speak less and listen more. Be quick to listen, James's instruction. Be slow to speak. We should make sure that we are listening, that we are hearing. We should make sure that we aren't simply consuming information at a very rapid rate without actually hearing what's being said. But I want to make a very clear point here as well. That just like the Bible encourages us to make sure we're listening, the Bible also encourages us that there are some times where we should not be listening. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 21. Take no heed at all to the words that are spoken. Lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. Mark chapter 4, verse number 24. Take heed to what you hear. What's he saying? He says, don't just listen to anybody talking. No, no, no. Pay attention to who you are listening to. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 7, verse number 8, verse number 9. Ye did run well. You you are doing so good. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? 
Well, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. You hear what he said? This persuasion, that's an interesting word. The, the person who kept you from running well, the spiritual race that God has given you to run, there's a person who was persuading you and you were listening to him instead of listening to the truth. And as a result of that, it has hindered you in your spiritual race. A little leaveneth, leaveneth the whole, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You hear what he says? There are times in our Christian life, just like we talked about with our thoughts, there are times when it comes to our thoughts that we should be playing offense, and there are times in our thoughts that we should be playing defense. We should be making sure that we are not taken captive with thoughts. We should also make sure we are taking captive thoughts. In the same way, when it comes to listening, we should make sure that there's this balance to our lives as Christians where we are, yes, slow, slow to speak, quick to listen. Of course we need seasons like that. But there should also be seasons where we are saying, no, I am not listening to this. It is not the truth. It is not right. It is hindering me in my spiritual growth. It is hindering me in this progress. It is keeping me from doing the purposes that God has given me to do. And that is exactly what Nehemiah is doing with this man of the house of Shemaniah. He is saying, no, I am not going to step aside. I am not going to slow down. I am not going to give in. I am not going to listen. Why? Because it is not the truth. Because it calls me to disobey the word of God. So here's the point. Here's the full idea. God helps us to endure dangers by giving us his confirmed word. So I told you, you need a compelling purpose. How do I avoid distractions? You need a compelling purpose. You need a clear perspective. You need a confirmed word. Look what he says. Nehemiah is a man who knows God's word. Look at verse 11. Should such a man as I flee, who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I would not go in. But I perceive that God hath not sent him. How, how could Nehemiah come so resolutely to that position? How could Nehemiah be so sure God did not send him? Here's how. Because what the man was asking him to do was in disobedience to the word of God. Can I give you just a very clear warning here? God never tells you to do something that is in disobedience to his word. Never. God never tells us to do something that is in disobedience to his word. This man was a false prophet. That's what this man was. He claims to have this hidden knowledge. He claims to have insider information. He claims to be speaking for God. But in fact, he is not speaking for God. And there are lots of people in our world who claim this. Oh, this is what God said to me. Well, is it in line with God's word? Because if it's not in line with God's word, it did not come from God. It came out of your own heart. It did not arise from the spirit. It came out of your flesh. We discern it according to the word of God. God never tells us to do something that is disobedience to his word. 
So when the Bible says that this man is shut up in the temple, he's not saying that he's sick. He's not saying he's elderly. He's saying that he has secluded himself for these religious reasons. He's, he's putting on this pretentiousness. I'm doing this for religious purposes. But he, in fact, wasn't doing it for religious purposes. It wasn't religious at all. It wasn't from God at all. And this is Satan's default mode. Satan's default mode. Deception. He pretends to have our best interest at mind. He pretends to have our best interest at heart. He pretends to be trying to help. But in reality, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in reality he has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He in fact is not there to help at all. He is there by deception. And one of the ways you know it's deception is because it goes against the truth. Anything against the truth is a lie. This is the devil's language. It's his native tongue. John chapter 8 verse 44. He is a liar from the beginning. Why? Because he is the father of all lies. And Satan's default mode is to lie. He doesn't bring us the big lies. I want you to understand this. He gives us the small lies. No, notice the text. It always helps us to look at the text. Look at the text. So the house of Shemaniah, the son of Deliah. He, he secluded himself for religious reasons. And he says, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. It sounds religious. It sounds good. But Nehemiah, his... His discernment is going up. Remember I told you, Nehemiah is a man of great discernment. Immediately he hears this. He says, something is wrong with that. Something is wrong with that because the only person allowed in the temple is the priest. And I'm not a priest. So if this guy is saying he's speaking for God, but he's inviting me to do something that God specifically said I shouldn't do, then he can't be speaking for God because God is not a liar. Who is the liar? The liar is Satan. The liar is the devil. It's easy to believe the small lies. Let's, let's come together because I know that there are some people who are trying to slay thee. And they might come to you in the night to slay thee. It's the small lies. It's easy to be, believe small lies. But small lies make the biggest difference. You notice, right? A, a good lie is never obvious. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a good lie. A good lie it's hard to tell. I got, I got an outline for you. The anatomy of a lie. These are taken from three different verses in the Bible. Notice this. Write them down for me. The anatomy of the lie. There is a purpose. John chapter 10, verse number 10, tells us what Satan's purpose is for lying. Kill, still, destroy. So every lie has this purpose at heart. His goal is to distract us from the truth. His goal in telling the lie is to cause us to doubt God's goodness. His goal is to damage the cause of Christ. His goal is to disguise his own evil work, which is trying to do what? Which is trying to kill, to steal, and to destroy. This is the purpose of the lie. John 10.10. 10. Every lie has this at its root, at its core. It has a target. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Write that down. 
He's, he's our adversary, the devil, who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He is our adversary, the Bible says. What that means is Satan knows who his target is. He, he knows what we are most likely to believe. He knows what makes us tick. He knows what makes us think. He knows how to manipulate us in order to distract us from the work, in order to destroy and damage the cause of Christ, in order to cause us to doubt God's goodness. He knows the right words to say. Notice what he says to Eve in the garden. We talked about this this weekend. Remember what he says to Eve in the garden? God has not said that you will die. No, 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 no. God knows that in the day you eat thereof, that you will be as gods, knowing good from evil. So here's Satan's, here's Satan's lie. Satan's lie is not God didn't say that. No, Eve knows God said it. No, Satan's lie is, let me tell you why God said it. God said it because he's keeping something from you. Because he doesn't want for you what he has for himself. What was the purpose to destroy the good work that God had done in the garden? What was the target? The target was Eve. See, the anatomy of a lie. Its purpose its target. Third, every lie has an element of truth. Look, look at uh, first. Look at Second Corinthians. I want you to actually look at look at this verse. Put put your eyeballs on it. Look at Second uh, Corinthians chapter four. Look at Second Corinthians chapter four. Look at verse four. So in this, in this text, he says, we've been given a ministry. We're not going to faint. We're not going to give up. Verse one, we faint not. We, we've renounced the hidden things, verse two, of dishonesty. We know that there are some people who are walking in craftiness. Well, that's Nehemiah chapter six. We know that there are some people who are handling the word of God deceitfully. Even the devil can quote Bible verses. We, we, we know that there are some people who are commending they're saying that they've commended themselves to the truth, but they in fact haven't. But, but we've commended ourselves to the truth and every man's conscience in the sight of God. If our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Verse 4, here, here it is. The element of truth. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is in the image of God should shine to them. He has blinded their minds. To what? To the glorious truth of God. A good lie is simply a distortion of the facts. It's a manipulation of the truth. It's, it's the use of facts in order to guide people deceitfully and in craftiness to the wrong conclusion. And it's doing so knowingly. Knowingly. The devil is a liar. He is the father of every lie. And the Bible says God hates lies. Six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination of to them. And two of those, in that list in Proverbs chapter 6, two of those, a lying tongue and a false witness. These things God hates. Does it shock you that there is something that God hates? That's what he hates. 
Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 echoes the same thing. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination unto the Lord. An abomination to God. What's an abomination to God? Lying lips. We don't normally put lying at the top of the list of things that God hates. You know, we, we think of all those really bad sins that, that are done out there by people in the world. And here's what God says. God says, I hate people. I, I, I hate lying lips. I, I hate those who take the truth, twist it, manipulate it in their craftiness and subtlety and use it in a way that damages the cause of Christ, that causes people to doubt the goodness of God, that causes um, those to be distracted from the truth of God. And it eventually, it, it essentially disguises the work that Satan himself has set, has set himself to do. Kill, steal, destroy. God hates deceit because God values the truth. God values the truth because God is truth. He himself is the source of all truth. God is the father of truth, the source of truth. Satan, the father of lies, the source of lies. No wonder then God hates deceit. God hates deceivers. We learn elsewhere that deceit is the natural condition of those who live in rebellion to God. Psalms 58, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from the birth, from birth, speaking lies. You never taught your children how to lie. They just learned it. Probably from their father. I know, I get it. I understand. When we speak deceptively, hear me. When we speak deceptively, we speak satanically. And our words, the Bible says, reflect our heart. The mouth speaks from the heart. Our words reflect what's in our heart. Whether our heart, in fact, is submitted to God, the truth. Or whether our heart is in rebellion to God. Rebellion to God by speaking lies. In our world, the truth can be very hard to find. We live with so much information. The truth can be very hard to find. Have you learned this already? The truth can be hard to find. So how do we discover the truth? That's the second point for you tonight. How do we discern truth? How is, how is Nehemiah, how is he able to navigate this entire situation and discern the truth? Let me give you a couple things. First, we must be aware. That there is a deceitful and corrupting pool. Pool as in P-U-L-L, not P-O-O-L, okay? That is pooling us, our hearts, our culture, the world, the Bible says, the flesh, the devil. It pools us. 
Which is why the Bible instructs us to walk circumspectly and not as fools. Why? Because the days are evil. You hear what he's saying? He's saying, no, no, no. Be aware. Be aware that there are those who are giving out lies. They're using their words deceitfully. They're speaking deceptively and thereby speaking satanically because we live in an evil time. Now, this is true in Ephesians, but this is also true in 2022. This is true in the first century and this is true in our century. And we need to be aware so that we can, what Ephesians says, understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words... If we are not aware of the evilness, the deceptiveness, the lies that are around us, how can we possibly do what God wants us to do? Because we will always find ourselves believing the lies. So we must be aware that there is error. We must be aware that there is deception. We must be there is that there is that we must be aware that there is manipulation. There's, there's error, deception, lies that we encounter in the news. There's, there, there's lies that we encounter, the messages we receive, the, the papers we read, the stuff we watch. And as God's people, we should strive to have a knowledge of God's word. It's interesting, Hosea chapter 4 says God's people are destroyed, listen, for lack of knowledge. They're not destroyed for lack of information. They're destroyed for lack of knowledge. They were not able to use discernment. They were not aware that this was out there. Nehemiah is aware. He's on guard. He's been, the reason Nehemiah has such great discernment is he's, he, he's aware that he is fighting a war. And this is what you must recognize. This is what I must recognize. We are engaged in spiritual warfare. Be aware. Second, how do we discern the truth? Be biblical. Immediately in the text, you're recognizing that I've pointed out already, Nehemiah is not allowed to go into the temple. Nehemiah is not a priest. Only the priest is allowed there, which is why Nehemiah says in verse 13 that he, this man, was hired to put Nehemiah afraid and to cause Nehemiah to notice sin. So, so Nehemiah is aware of the law of God that having gone into the temple would have caused him to violate the law of God and thereby sin. You, you, you remember, put your, put your Old Testament thinking hat on. You remember there's another person who is not a priest who assumes to himself priestly responsibilities. Do you remember? Saul. And what does he do? He makes a sacrifice. He makes a sacrifice to God because he was tired of waiting on the prophet to show up. He was getting impatient. He's the king. He shouldn't have to wait for the prophet. So he, he took upon himself priestly responsibilities and said, that's okay. If he can do it, I can do it. And he did it. And it causes him to sin. Ne Nehemiah is biblical in this way. You and I must be biblical in this way. 
If we want to recognize wolves in sheep clothing, then you must know the truth. Evil always disguises itself as light. Lies always disguise themselves as truth. Satan presents himself as an angel of light. Which is why you must study the word of God so that you can quickly recognize error. You've heard the illustration before, so I won't belabor it. But if you want to be able to spot counterfeit bills, you don't spend all of your time studying the counterfeit. You spend your time studying what is genuine, what is true. And you are so aware of what is real or genuine or authentic or true in the sense that we're using in the sermon. You're so aware of what is biblical that when something unbiblical comes along, you go, I don't think that, that doesn't sound right. Oh, that doesn't look right. That walks like a duck, that talks like a duck, that quacks like a duck. I know he's acting like a dog, but I think that's a duck. It walks like a wolf, it talks like a wolf. I know he's acting like a sheep, but that's a wolf. How do we discern truth? Be aware, be biblical. Third, we got to go quick. Third, be courageous. God wants us to defend the gospel by, explo- by exposing lies. I want you to see this verse. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15. Verse 1, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye have also received, and wherein ye stand. But which also ye are saved if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. He's saying... This is how you stand. This is the only place that is secure. And there are certainly times in our lives where we must be courageous in taking the stand. First John chapter 4. John encourages the church, test the spirit, try the spirit, see if that is of God. How would you know if it is of God? Well, is it true to God's word? Because if it's in contradiction with the word of God, if it's in contradiction with the way the word of God calls us to live, if it's in contradiction with the way that the word of God tells us to handle something, if it is in contradiction to the word of God, hear me, it is not from God. Be aware, be biblical, be courageous. Fourth, be prayerful. So Nehemiah does here. My God, verse 14. Think thou upon Tobiah, Sembalat, according to these their works, the prophetess, Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets. God, think upon them. That, that's an interesting phrase. That isn't like, Lord, would you just think about them and would you give them comfort? Sometimes you say, you say a prayer. About, that isn't think about them and give them comfort. That's, God, you handle that. You've got to handle that. Be prayerful. 
Prayer is often the forgotten battle, or the forgotten element in spiritual battle. Let me give you this last one and we'll get out of here on this. You got to be proactive. You must protect yourself from the poison of lies. You must protect yourself from errors. You must protect yourself from deceit. You must search out qualified sources, people of merit. This is what is required in our day, which is so full of so much deception and lies. You can't just believe anybody. You have to say, okay, well, here's this person giving me this information. What do I know about this person? What, what does this person's life tell me? What is this person's actions? What do they show me? Do they reveal themselves to be a person who walks in the light? Or do have they revealed themselves to be a person who walks in darkness? Has this person revealed themselves to be a faithful witness for God? Or has this person revealed themselves to be someone who has believed in vain? 1 Corinthians 15. Is this person revealed themselves to be holy, godly, Christ-like, pursuing the Lord Jesus Christ, biblical? Or is this person, has this person shown themselves to be what they truly are? Rejecting God, rebellious in their heart to God, rejecting the word and the will of God. You must be proactive in this way. You must be proactive in this way with your family, with your children, with your wife, with your friends. You must be proactive, you must be prayerful, you must be courageous, you must be biblical, you must be aware. These are the things that we must be doing in order to discern the truth. This is what Nehemiah is doing in chapter 6. Clear, perspective, compelling purpose, and a confirmed word. Nehemiah is holding to the word of God. Nehemiah immediately detects, this is wrong. He immediately knows it's wrong because he is not permitted to enter into the temple. Only the priest can do that. He's a layman. And that reminds him, in that moment, spiritual discernment kicks in. And it reminds him that this is not right to do. This is a disobedient act to the word of God. Therefore, Nehemiah concludes in a split second, that's disobedient to the word of God. Therefore, I know that's not from God. That is not from the Lord. 